I boldly declare that my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, my ears are open, and I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And Father, as I step back, I thank you for the Holy Spirit stepping up so that, Father, the word of God will be clearly revealed with passion and conviction. And I thank you in advance for the signs, wonders, and and, and miracles following our lives as a result of your word. And Father, I declare that this church will never be the same in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. Amen, amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated. We've been in a series entitled The Soulcology of Money. Just look at your neighbor and say The Soulcology of Money. And the purpose of this series was for us to understand what role our soul plays when it comes to money and prosperity. And last week, uh, if you weren't here, it was a very powerful lesson. I would encourage you to go to the podcast and listen to it because I talked about and revealed what biblical meditation is all about. And, and one of the things that we discovered is that when we learn how to biblically meditate, it will cause uh, success and increase to come into our lives. And so today, if you're taking notes, uh, our topic is your heart makes the difference. Everybody say your heart, your heart makes the difference. And the goal of the lesson is to show you how your heart controls your giving, which ultimately impacts your living. In other words, your heart makes a difference. If you have your Bibles, find Romans chapter 8, Romans 8, and then we're going to jump to Mark chapter 11, verses 22. That was Romans chapter 10, verse 8, and then Mark chapter 11, verses 22. I'm going to lay a foundation today because I believe that this word is not really just financially based. I believe God is ready for us as his people to get our hearts in position with him. When your heart is off, your life will get off. When your life gets off, it's a result of your, your words being off, your actions being off, your attitude being off, and then ultimately, of course, your life will get off. And one of the best ways to stay in tune with God is to keep your heart in tune with God. In Romans chapter 8, what I want to show you first as we start out is to show you that our hearts, which is what our focus is going to be on today, is where you and I believe from. This heart, everybody say heart. Our heart is where we believe from. Our heart is where we give from. Our heart is where we live from. Our heart is where we forgive from. In other words, the heart of us, the spiritual part of us, is the core of our being. And if it's off, our life will get off. In Romans 10, look in verse 8, it says, But what say is it? The word is nigh or close to you, even in your mouth and in your what class? In your heart, that is the word of faith which we preach. Verse 9, that if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe where? In your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Notice here where we believe from. You don't believe from your head. You believe from your heart. 
your head is only like a temporary CPU. But your heart is the hard drive. It's where you store information. And he says, "From the uh, you shall believe in your heart. And verse 10 says this, for with the heart, man does what? Believe. believe. Everybody say, I believe, I believe. From, my heart. from my heart. And this is how you can know, watch this now, what you believe. It's not just what you say, but it's also connected to what you do. Amen. If you believe that you want to have a great marriage, your actions will prove that. Amen. If you believe that, that uh, cussing is not edifying, then you won't cuss. Amen. If you believe that, that, that telling the truth has more value than lying, guess what? You'll tell the truth, right? In other words, what you believe will come out in what you do in your life. And your heart is where you believe. And this is why you got to protect that thing. You have to protect your heart because your heart is where you believe from. All of your beliefs come from your heart. And this is why what was dangerous is how we were raised. Because whatever got into your belief system first is what you tend to live your life by. And this is why it's very hard for some people to change what they believe as they get older because they were taught or raised to believe something different. Amen. See, some of us were raised to believe that uh, giving to a church was nonsense. And so we were raised to believe that. And so here we are, we're grown and we believe that giving to a church is nonsense. And it's not because that's not what we really want to believe. It's because that's what got into our system first. And let me tell you something. It's better to get the truth in first because truth will filter out lies. But if you believe a lie first, man, it fights the truth as you hear it. Amen. And so we see here in Romans 10 that we believe from our heart. Look at Mark chapter 11. Look in verse 22. It says, And Jesus answering said unto them, Have faith in God, for verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall say to the mountain, Be removed, and be cast into the sea, read it with me, and shall not doubt in his what? Okay, so we learned in Romans 10, we believe in our heart. Mark chapter 11 just told us that we have the capability of doubting in our heart. Can you see that two powerful things can take place in the same place? Your heart has the power to believe. Your heart has the power to doubt. Guess what? Our souls are what makes the decision. In other words, and I'll show you here in just a second, your heart is nothing but your human spirit. The spirit that God gave you when you were born, that's your heart. As a matter of fact, turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians 1. He said here, it shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he say shall come to pass. You shall have whatsoever he's, uh, you say. In other words, I have the ability to believe in my heart, and I have the ability to doubt in my heart. Which one do you and I do the most? Now watch this, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, look at verse 22. Here's my pointing showing you this. It says here, it's talking about God, who has sealed us, say I've been sealed. Who has sealed us, and let's see how he sealed us. And he has given us the earnest of the what? Spirit, where? So where is the Spirit of God? 
in our heart. Write down Galatians chapter 4 verse 6 because it also confirms this. It says, and because you are sons, God sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts crying out the Father. In other words, now, our hearts have the ability to believe. Our hearts have the ability to doubt. And we see now that the spirit of God, is, he resides in our hearts. Now, the word heart is the Greek word cardia, which means, you know, when people have a cardiac arrest, that means they're having problems with their heart. Well, the spiritual part of uh, our hearts is our spirit. And so uh, go to Romans 6. Go to Romans chapter 6 very quickly. Romans chapter 6. We're going to look in verse, uh, uh, I tell you what, go to, go to Hebrews 3.15. Hebrews 3.15. I'm going to go to Romans chapter 6. I'm going to go to Romans 6. I'm going to explain to you the process. See, when you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, let me explain to you what happened. Remember now, the Bible told us that in Genesis, God told, uh, uh, he told Adam and Eve, the day that you eat the fruit, you're going to die. Well, they didn't physically die that day. So they had to die one other way. They died spiritually. So the spirit part of them was dead. Everybody say it was dead spirit part of them was dead so now you and I the only way that we're going to get back in the position that they were is to be born again when we get born again is when we open our lives up to Jesus Christ we ask him to come into our lives and he comes and so what happens is that same Holy Spirit comes inside now and uh, I'm going to read Romans 6 11 because it's going to make sense it says likewise reckon you also yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ. In other words, now when the Holy Spirit comes on the inside, he makes that spirit that was dead in you alive. And now the Holy Spirit, when he wants you to know something, he speaks to your heart. Well, your heart is your spirit. He speaks to that part of you. And this is what happens. If you and I's heart is off, we won't hear the voice right. And this is why the enemy wants to make sure that our hearts stay off. That's why he wants you to stay upset with people. He wants you to stay in unforgiveness. He wants you to walk in anger and bitterness. Because see, all that stuff are attitudes of the heart. And as long as you keep that stuff uh, uh, clogged up in your heart, the, the harder it's going to be for you to hear God. Amen. Well, let's see now in Hebrews 3.15. Hebrews 3.15, it says this. While it is said today, say today. Today, if you will hear his voice, watch this now, harden not your what? Okay, that says two things. That says that I can hear the voice and my, my heart is hard and, uh, and I don't receive it. And that's why I tell people, when God speaks to you, obey him. Because the more you obey him, number one, the easier it will be to hear the voice the next time. But also, it, it, it almost snowballs the effect of obedience. Obedience becomes easier the more you obey. But watch this, the more that you, you know, harden your heart, remember what happens, you know, when you work hard with your hands, what happens with, to your hands? They get callous, right? Well, sometimes our hearts, if we keep hardening our heart, no, God, no, I know you told me to do that. I know you told me to tie God. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. God, I got all these bills. You know what's going on in my life. What's happening is you're hardening your heart. The more you harden your heart, the harder your heart gets. It's just like your hands get callous. And so now... This is why it's so easy for single people to sleep around like they married. Because their heart is so hard when it comes to, uh, you know, what God, God's word says about, you know, being married and having sex. Come on. Come on. 
You see how I just switched that all the way? First, he was talking about hard in your heart. How do you get the sex on that? Well, because, see, what happens is it's easier to have sex now because your heart is hard. You just keep doing it. You just keep doing it. It's no big deal. The, the conviction is there, but guess what? It doesn't, you know, it's not, it's not a strong conviction anymore because, you know, your, your, your heart is callous, basically. Well, watch what it says in Hebrews 3.15. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the, in the provocation. Now, this piece of, of, of the heart I want to talk about because I think it's one of the biggest challenges of believers, and that is believers, most of them, don't realize that they're walking in unforgiveness. Now, see, unforgiveness affects your heart just like high cholesterol affects your life. Which, which one do they call the silent killer? High blood pressure. Let's take high blood pressure. High blood pressure is not necessarily, you can feel it sometimes, but for the most part, you have to go and, and get your, you know, your blood pressure taken. And once they understand that your blood pressure is at a certain level, then you have to do something to, to bring it down to the levels it should, should be. And if you don't, you risk being at stroke level. Well, there are a lot of believers who are at the spiritual stroke level because they're clogged up with unforgiveness. Because the enemy wants us to feel that forgiving the person takes them off the hook. When it's not about taking them off the hook. And if I keep my heart spiritually clogged up with unforgiveness, guess what? My belief, remember now, where do we believe from? We believe from the heart. My ability to believe is going to decrease even more. Now, let me just say this. Forgiveness means to let go. Everybody say let go. It also means to give up. Everybody say give up. And here is why most people hold on to unforgiveness. Here's why. Touch your neighbor and say he's about to talk to you right now. Let me just ask the question. How many have ever had a struggle forgiving somebody? Let me see your hand. Yeah, I'm pretty sure everybody in one way or another we've had a problem. And see, here's why it's a problem. Most people don't realize when you forgive the person, you're not, you're not saying that you're okay with what with, with their actions were. You're not saying that. As a matter of fact, you know, I've learned that as a pastor, so many people are at different levels. And so the reason most people get hurt is because they have what I call unrealistic expectations. In other words, if you expected your husband to bring you roses on y'all's anniversary and he didn't do it, and your expectations were to do it, you're going to be mad. And you're going to be mad based on, watch this, an unspoken expectation you had. Now, he could have brought you a, uh, you know, a card, and, and, and because you felt he should have brought flowers, you didn't even see the card. card don't even make a difference. You know why? Because in your mind, he should have brought some cards. In other words, expectations are what causes people to be hurt. And those are the things that now we don't forgive. And so what happens is we don't see forgiveness right. The easiest way to forgive somebody is to realize that how big your sins really were. See, you really can't see how big somebody else's sin is until you see how big yours were. All right, let me put it like this. The Bible talks about having a, a little uh, a moat in the eye. And then a log in another person's eye. He's saying, if you have a, let me read it. Let me read the, the Living Bible translation. This is Luke chapter 6. Watch what it says. He says, and why quibble about the speck in someone else's eye, his little fault, when a board is in yours? Verse 42. 
How can you think of saying to him, brother, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the board that is in yours? He says, hypocrite, first get rid of the board and then perhaps you can see well enough to deal with his speck. Listen, the easiest way to forgive somebody is to see how big your sin really is. Now, I know Jesus has forgiven us for our sins and thank God that he has. But, but if you realize that your sin was so big it was going to send you to hell, then who else's sin is that big where you just can't forgive them? Amen. And so if you don't forgive, watch this now, that's another thing that takes place from your heart. We forgive from the heart. Everybody say, we forgive from the heart. Now, in, in, uh, go to 2 Corinthians. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Here's the core of what I want to talk about, 2 Corinthians 9. We're talking about the giving or the heart matters because we've been talking about prospering and giving and that kind of thing. And it all wraps up to mean something about the heart because when I see that when I give, I'm not giving from my hand. I'm actually giving from my heart. See, the only reason my hand is giving is because my heart told it to. Amen. Jesus said, wherever your treasure is, if you will trace it, you will find your heart. And so that's why all we have to do is open up our checkbook or look online, and whatever we spend the most money on is where our hearts are. Can I get an amen? Second Corinthians chapter 9. We believe from our heart. We die from our heart. We forgive from our heart. But I'm going to show you here, we give from the heart. Everybody say, we give from the heart. Watch this. Second Corinthians chapter 9, look at verse 6. But this I say, he who sows sparingly shall reap how? Sparingly. And he who sows bountifully shall reap how? Bountifully. Every man according as he purposes where? In his heart, so let him what? Okay, so where do we give from? We're giving from the heart. Look at your neighbor and say, we're giving from the heart. This is why your heart has to be good. Because if your heart's not good, then anything after that is no good. And this is why there are a lot of Christians who are not prospering. Here's why. Because their heart or their motive it's all about them. Have you ever heard people pray this prayer? Well, Lord, if you'll just bless me to win the lotto, I'll give to you. No, you won't. If you're not giving to him now, you're not going to give to them then. See, how many know God can read through that? Yeah, he read right through it. And this is why, you know, we say, well, well God, if, if you just bless me with a husband, God, I'll just obey you the rest of my life. Well, why can't you obey him now? Touch your neighbor and say, he's coming down your street in a minute. <laughs> so many of us, we make God, we make these promises. Promises like, well, if you bless me with this job, God, then, uh, then uh, I'll start coming to church. God, if you, if you let me live, you know, you're in a bad uh, accident or car accident. Lord, if you'll just save me and if you just let me walk. I know they said they need to amputate my leg. But God, if you just save my leg, God, I will just work in your church. You ain't been to church since then. No, no. We make these promises and we don't think God can see through them. Well, he can see through them. And here's why I'm saying this. Because I want my heart to be good 
So when it's time for God to pass out mega blessings, he won't pass me by. I want him to be able to look and go, okay, Evan's been faithful. He's been consistent. He's been obedient. And by the way, his heart is good. He, I know that when I give him this, he's not going to keep it all for himself. Amen. Uh, 2 Corinthians, watch what it says. Every man according as he purposed in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly, that's an attitude of the heart, or out of what? Necessity, that's an attitude of the heart. Read it with me. For God loves a? What kind of giver that God loves? He loves a cheerful giver. And most of us, when we give, it's not cheerful. Now, we're giving out of obedience, and that's good. But we need to move from being obedient to being cheerful. You say, well, pastor, okay, when I, y'all know, everybody said years ago. Y'all, y'all know my story uh, when God asked me to give away the first Rolex I had ever bought, okay? And uh, that was a big deal to me. I mean, uh, I forget how much it cost, but it was in the thousands that they, I mean, I saved up a lot of money to buy that, that watch, right? I mean, let me just ask you, how many have had to give away something that was, like, real important to you? Let me see your hand. Y'all, the rest of y'all have them? Okay. Well, Lord, just put it on their heart to put something, give them something that, that they need to just give away in Jesus' name. No, you know what I'm saying. See, I, he asked me to give the watch away, and I didn't want to. I didn't want to. Now, it didn't say God hates a non-cheerful giver, but I wasn't cheerful. And I'll never forget, it was all on my face. Have you, have you seen people and they sad? The Bible says that the, the, the rich young ruler, he was grieved and he walked away. He was sad because Jesus had asked him, you know, to give up all his riches. But the Bible said he was grieved. So there are certain emotions that come with giving. And what's funny is the enemy will attack, will attack you with one or two emotions. The first emotion he will attack you with is the one of stinginess. Don't give it. Selfishness. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. And then if you get past that one and you do it, then the second emotion he's going to hit you with is now the, the grief where you like, it's like loss. It's like, oh, my God. Now you have, you know how you have buyer's remorse? You can have giver's remorse. It's like, oh, man, why did I give that? I don't know. So just know that those are normal attacks that when he first he started to stop you from doing it, then if he can't stop you from doing it, then after you do it, he said he tried to make you, you know, grieve about doing it. No, no, no. How can you really be cheerful in your giving? How? Well, I have a demonstration that I want to give to somebody. And I want, uh, give me somebody, uh, I want uh, somebody who uh, wants to volunteer to be uh, in this thing here. Come on, sweetie. You raise your hand. Come on up here. You all come down. Come on down. Give her a hand. Come on down for the price is right. Come on. You got to run. Come on. You got to run, sister. All right. Now, uh, you all stay right there. Uh, let's go behind the scene here. Okay, come on. I'm going to explain something to you. All right? Y'all just sing while, I, while I'm back here. We're not doing nothing. I'm just back here. All 
All right. Okay. Come on back in, sister. Okay. All right. I'm about to demonstrate what cheerful giving is and how you can have it. All right. Uh, will you give me how much money you got on you? Can I have it? Okay. Give it here. Thank you. All right. All right. Now, first of all, why would she just give that to me? Because it was mine. <laughs> it was already mine. Let me ask you a question. Do you think she's grieving over the loss of that $60? No, because why? Because it wasn't even hers. It was my money. So the reason why she was quick to give it it's because it wasn't hers from the beginning. And this is why most of us can't be cheerful givers because we forget we're just stewards. Everything that we have belongs to God. It's his. So the first perspective of why we're not cheerful is that we don't realize that what we're giving ain't ours anyway. Okay, so let's say we get past that. Well, this is how you can really be cheerful. It's when, now, how much money, do you have uh, $20 in your purse somewhere? Do you have $20 on you? How much money you got on you? You got some change on you? You got some, some down off in that purse? Come on, go find me something. <laughs> I want you to go find me. I don't want nobody to give it to you. I don't care if it's a penny, a nickel. I want you to go find something to give to the man of God. Now, while she is looking... 2 Corinthians 9, are you there? Okay, we're going to read now the, the rest of the verse. Because we left off in verse 7, it says, Let them give every man according to his purpose in his heart, not grudgingly, not out of necessity, for God loves a what kind of giver? Now this is what happened. After you cheerfully give, God is able to make all grace abound towards you. The word grace means favor. Everybody say the word grace, grace means favor. Then he says, God is able to bring some favor towards you. And when that favor comes, you'll always have all sufficiency in what? In all things. Watch this. And this is why. So you can abound to do what? Every good work. So really, my motive, we're talking about the heart. My heart's motive when it comes to increase needs to be God wants me to be able to use it to abound the good work. So, uh, did you find something? What did you find? Huh? This is everything. That's okay. See, now, see, now, notice now she feels ashamed of her gift. But she shouldn't. It's all she had in her purse. I mean, we live in a check card and a check society, so... You know, I don't carry that much cash with me. So today she didn't expect for to need some cash. And so now here we have some coins. <laughs> we have 60, 70, 80, 85, 95, a dollar and 35, 40, a dollar and 44 cents. Now, now amen. Now. I'm asking her, can I have this? I can have this. All right. How do you feel about giving this to me? I want you to be honest. How are you feeling? How are you feeling? 
Huh? You just wish it was more. Yeah, you know, when they say that you have to have, like, you know, quarters and then you have dessert and then you have to have dessert. That's okay. Yeah. So you just wish you had some more. Yeah. Okay. So now she can cheerfully give. Notice now she's, she's still not feeling too good about her gift. Because, see, that's how we are with God. See, this is why he gave everybody the same amount to give. Everybody's is 10%. So it don't matter if it's 10% of a thousand, 10% of a million, 10% of a dollar. It's 10%. So watch this. If you, this is the best that you could give for, for the, under the circumstances. Do you agree? Okay, so watch this now. I'm going to turn around and I'm going to give her 20. Don't feel bad. See, I'm trying to teach you a lesson right now. 40. 60, you get $80 back from that dollar and 40 cents. Now, let me ask you something. Yes. How many of you would be happy if I did that to you? Raise your hand. I'm not going to do it, but I just wanted to see. Now, but here's my point. Here's my point. How can we be cheerful in givers? Number one, when we realize none of it belongs to us. That's number one. But number two, we can be a cheerful giver because God already said that when we give, he'll cause all grace to abound toward us. And he says he will cause all sufficiency in all things. And then Luke 6, 38 just puts it on the, on the, the, the cherry on the top. It says, listen, when you give, it shall be given unto you. Good measure, press down, shake it together and run it over. So I can cheerfully give because I know that if God is true to his word, I'm going to always get back more than what I gave. Thank you very much. God bless you. All right, let's, let's close with this because everybody say it's about the heart. It's about the heart. And I think, I, here's what I, I just feel a, a, a real heavy burden for. I feel that there's, there's monies held up right now. This is how I see it. Uh, see those things up there in the ceiling? Uh, I see them uh, uh, like, like blankets that are with four corners being held up and, and the, it's got monies in the, in the blankets and they're heavy. You can see them wanting to come down. But I'm seeing that they're not coming down because a lot of us wouldn't do right with it. God is wanting us to get, and the only way we're not doing right with it is because our heart ain't right. When I say our heart ain't right, that means that the first thing we think about, we ain't thinking about nobody else. In fact, go to Deuteronomy. We'll close with this. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 15. Go to Deuteronomy. We'll close with this. We, we, we're not thinking about nobody else. Deuteronomy 15 verse 10. Deuteronomy 15 verses 10. We're not thinking about nobody but us. I mean, if, if we got hit with a whole lot of money, first thing we think about is, well, we might think about tithing, praise the Lord, and we might think about giving an offering, and that's about it. We ain't thinking of nobody else. You say, well, Pastor, who else I'm, gonna, I'm supposed to be thinking about? I don't know. Why don't you ask God, God, who else do you want me to be a blessing to? Watch this now. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 15, look in verse 10. I love this verse. It says this. You, touch your neighbor and say he's talking to you. You shall surely give to him and thine heart shall not be what? Grieved. grieved. When God puts it on your heart to be a blessing to somebody, don't let your heart go into grieving mode. He says, and when you give to him, because that for this thing, the Lord your God shall do what? Bless you in all what? 
your works and in all that you what? You put your hand to. He said, listen, when it's time for me to use you to give to somebody, don't let your heart grieve because at the end of it, I'm going to bless you. And I believe our hearts are what makes the difference. Uh, I'm going to close with Mark chapter 4. Let's see what time. Oh, yeah, good. I got seven minutes. Go to Mark chapter 4. I told you that was the last one, but because I got some more time, it ain't the last one. Go to Mark chapter 4. Go to Mark 4. I'm going to show you that your heart makes the difference. Everybody say, my heart makes the difference. In Mark chapter 4, look in verse 3. This is the parable of the sower. And uh, this principle that I'm about to show you about your heart, you can apply it to any area of your life. Most of the time, see, when your heart gets off, let me tell you how you can know your heart starts getting off. Uh, Your thoughts get off. Your thoughts get off, you know, where, you know, uh, uh, you know, you, you think your boss don't like you. It's because they said something to your coworker, but it wasn't even about you. But you interpreted it as that. So in your thoughts now, your boss don't like you. And so the first way you start knowing that your heart is getting off is your thoughts get off. Then after your thoughts get off, you know what gets off then? Your mouth. Then you start talking. Like, I know he don't like me. I know he don't, yeah, and that's, oh, I see why they asked me to work late the other day, because he's just trying to get back at me. No, 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 no. And then after your mouth gets off, you know what gets off after that? Your actions get off. So let's see here. Watch this. Mark chapter 4. He says in verse 3, Behold, there went out a sower to sow, and it came to pass as this sower sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground, and it did not have much earth. Verse 6. But when the sun was up, it was scorched. Verse 7. Some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it did not yield fruit. Verse 8. Other fell on good ground. Say good ground. And it did yield forth fruit, sprang up and increased, brought forth 30, 60, and some 100. I want you to notice here is that that seed had different effects. One of the effects that the seed had was that it fell on some ground where an animal just came and took it. Then you had one, it fell into the earth, but it didn't fall deep. And the Bible says that the, earth, uh, the, the sun came and scorched it. Then some of the seed fell, and it fell on thorny ground, and it didn't yield, yield up fruit. Now, I'm going to skip now to verse 14, because I want you to see what the seed was who the sower was, and what the ground was. Verse 14. The sower soweth the what? Okay, so now look up at me. Everything we see now about this parable is that what was being sown was the word. Everybody say, what was sown was the word. Okay, so we see here the word was being sown. And then it says, and these are they by the wayside where the word is sown, but when they have heard, watch this now, Satan comes immediately and takes away the what? Which was sown where? The heart is the ground. The heart is the ground. So guess what now? That means now, if the heart, if my heart is the ground that the seed comes in, then it's my heart's condition that determines my return level. Okay, you say, well, pastor, keep reading. Watch this now. It says in verse 16, and these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground. We can say a stony heart. 
When they heard the word, immediately they receive it. They have no root in themselves. And then affliction and persecution arise for the word's sake. Immediately they're offended. Watch verse 18. And these are they which are sown among thony hearts. Such as they hear the word, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things enter in. I'll just say this. All those bills come and do is what choke the word, and then the word becomes unfruitful. Watch verse 20. And these are they which, which are sown on good ground or good hearts. Watch this now. Such as hear the word. They receive it. They bring forth fruit. Watch this. Thirtyfold, some sixty, and some what? It is the condition of my heart that determines the harvest level of my life. I'm going to say that again. It is the condition level of my heart that determines the harvest level for my life. So maybe, just maybe, what you are harvesting has come from some bad situations from your heart. See, we make decisions based on information that we have. Okay, that's the only way you make decisions. And some of us, we're, we're ignoring the spiritual principles to make decisions by, and we're looking only at the natural. Well, let me just say this. If you look at only the natural, you're going to make uninformed, unspiritual decisions. Say, so what do you mean? It's not the will of God for you to divorce. Why, why even think about it? I mean, it feels good to entertain it, I guess, but, but why think about it? It's not the will of God. You know, the Bible even says that God didn't even uh, allow them to divorce, but the reason he did is because of the hardness of their heart. So even when a person, you know, decides they're going to divorce, it's because somebody's heart got hard. Now, see, when I was growing up, they had a song that said this. If your heart wasn't in it, why didn't you? Tell me so. How many know that song? You old, that's why. <laughs> if you're hard, what in it? Why didn't you tell me so? <laughs> I believe that's what God is saying. If your heart ain't in it, why didn't you tell me so? I believe today is a heart check day. Word really is your heart because those blankets now thank you lord i appreciate that those blankets of money that i saw that's up in the sky god wants to release it and part of why he's releasing it is for the increase for our new facility but some of y'all ain't gonna use it for that so that's why i still stuck up there look at your neighbor and say you need to get your heart right and look at your other neighbor and say i ain't gonna tell you no more God is not expecting it all, but he is expecting something. Here's what I believe with all my heart. You and I prove to God what we will do with the most by what we have done with the least in our past. So I believe there are some hearts that need to get straightened out today. Every head bowed and every eye closed. There are some hearts that God wants to get straight today. I don't know if it's been clogged up with past issues, past church problems, past relationship problems. What, what, here's my question. What is clogging up your spiritual heart today? What is it? Because whatever it is, it's affecting your belief. 
It's, expect, it's, it's affecting your giving. And I believe today, God is looking for a repentant heart. See, a repentant heart is, is a heart that says, okay, God, I, I'm sorry for what I did and I'm not going back. Repentance means that I'm not going back. Even if you fail back, it wasn't because you decided to go back. But, but repenting says, God, I'm not, I'm not going back. And I believe there are some people here whose hearts are being challenged to get right with God. Don't let that ex-relationship clog your heart up. Don't let that unspoken request that was not met by somebody, don't let that clog your heart up. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for those who are hearing this message. And Lord, all the people who are under the sound of my voice at Word of Truth Family Church and even those who are listening via podcast, Father, the blankets of increase that you're trying to drop in our lives, Father, whatever it is in our hearts, clean it up right now. David said, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. God, whatever would keep our hearts from obeying your voice when it comes to increasing our lives, rid it from our lives even now. I want you to pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord God, today, remove from me selfishness. Remove from me anything that will keep me from obeying you. Lord, I forgive, I release, I let go of anybody and anything that would hinder me today. And I open up my heart to be used by you to be blessed by you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, with every head by and every eye closed, if you're here today, here's my question. If you died today, are you 100% sure heaven would be your home? Because if not, I want to pray for you. Everybody's going to die.